Welcome back into the mental game. I'm your host, Brandon Seho, and this week's guest is John Jones of the Eli Young Band. And this was an awesome conversation where in this episode, we talked to John about what it was like when the Eli Young Band formed when they were in college together at North Texas, what it's like to see your song go platinum and number one, but also the challenges when the music isn't topping the charts. And then we also take a deep dive into John's own mental health journey, all of that and much more coming up in this episode but before we get started, let's kick things off with this week's Mental Health Tip of the Week, powered by 1 in 5, and it is all about supporting yourself. When you are struggling with mental health, it is essential to support yourself in times of need. Remind yourself that you are not alone, and there are friends, family, mentors, etc. who support you as well. Be sure to practice self-help techniques like getting proper exercise, focusing on or finding hobbies, and creating routines for yourself. Additionally, Doing small things for yourself can help, like cleaning messy spaces in your home, eating nourishing meals, and keeping up with basic hygiene. When you are struggling with your mental health, even the simplest tasks are challenging, so even words of affirmation can work. Find things that work for you to support yourself when you are struggling. And if you or someone you know needs help finding a therapist or mental health resources, go ahead and scan the QR code in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. It'll be up this entire episode, and it'll take you directly to One in Five's homepage, where their mission is to prevent suicide by stopping the stigma and starting the conversation. Before we get into the episode, I want to acknowledge, yes, I still have the Who Day stash, my Cincinnati Bengals undefeated 6-0 since I started growing the mustache. They go to the playoff to take on the Ravens this weekend, so until they lose, Hopefully I have it all the way to the Super Bowl. I will not shave this stash. Now it is time for the latest episode of The Mental Game with John Jones of the Eli Young Band. Welcome back into The Mental Game. I am joined today by John Jones of the Eli Young Band. John, I really appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for the invite. First thing I ask everyone when they come on here is what does mental health mean to you? So what does mental health mean to you and how have you been able to use it throughout your long career in music? Yes, we've been a band for 21 years, and so we've never really had, since college, another job. Mm -hmm. um, and navigating 21 years of being in a band with three other guys um, has brought a lot of mental health, I guess, challenges and, and things that have made me more aware. Uh, mental health to me is really, I don't know, trying to find a set of things for yourself that kind of keeps you at the top of your game. Yeah. That allows you to be your best um, and realizing when you're not and trying to figure out why you're not. So you guys all meet at the University of North Texas. What year was that? That would have been in 99. At Sigma Nu, and I'm a Sigma Nu too. We talked about this a little bit off camera. I was only a Sigma Nu for a semester and a half at West Virginia because I don't know if you know if you remember this from that trip, but West Virginia is kind of a party school. We're, yes, you showed us that. Yeah, so you it. guys stopped over the frat house at Sigma Nu in Morgantown, had a good time. But you guys meet at Sigma Nu in college. Walk me through those early days of you guys meeting, realizing that this could be something special together. So Chris Drummer, uh, James, guitar player, myself, all started in 98 and mm -hmm. met then. Um, all played in bands before college and that's something we had in common. And so we just kind of got together and jammed. We're like, oh, we got a guitar player, a drummer, and a bass player. We just need a singer. Yeah. Mike came to school the next year and uh, became a Sigma Nu, became my little brother. We all lived in the fraternity house, uh, Chris and I in one room and Mike and James in another room. Mike and James started writing songs. <laughs> it was great times. Yeah. Um, and we just kind of started a band and we didn't know if it was going to be a country band or what it was going to be. Mike's voice is very country. He mm -hmm. grew up really both feet in that world. And so yeah. that's where we landed. And by the time we graduated, we weren't making a living doing it, but we were um, 
doing well enough yeah. that we were willing to just like, we're going to go for it and see what happens. When you go from a bar band, how do you take that next step? Cause I'm sure a lot of people that watch this are aspiring musicians. And I know it from working in, you know, entertainment a little bit. I, I know plenty of guys that are DJs, bands, play gigs in Cincinnati where we're at now or locally, regionally, whatever. What was it like going from bar band, grinding that out and trying to get to the next step? Oh, it takes, it takes so much more than talent. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've always said, and it's, it's true in sports and, and other fields that like, we're not, we're somewhere in the middle. Like there's definitely m- many more talented bands and, and singers that have made it so much further than us, but also that haven't made it as far as us. Yeah. Um, a little bit of luck, a lot of tenacity, I think sticking together and all being on the same page. Um, like there's an old saying, like, make sure everybody in your bus is doing the same drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Which on, in, in my line of work is kind of a literal saying, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we, none of us ever got caught up in anything like really bad. We were all kind of on the same page. Yeah. Um, which is helpful, but making that next step, uh, it was always a goal. Like 21 years ago, would, would I have like, when I was writing down goals, would I have thought that we'd be where we're at now? No, but you know, it's like such a weird road to navigate. You just kind of have to yeah. have to roll it a little bit, but, um, there's a point where like, you're willing to play for free beer and then you get paid a little more than that. And then it becomes like a career and you're like, all right, how do I make this? How do I treat this like a career yet yeah. still be like this fun thing that I was more than happy to do for free beer, right. you know, when we started out. Yeah. I mean, I'll do anything for free beer, really. I'm a Coors Light guy. So if Coors Light's watching, maybe, maybe an endorsement down there the road, you uh, you guys make the jump. Um, what was it like with guys that you had really grinded with though? You played bar to bar and I'm sure free beer is great. Probably, uh, you know, maybe some of you guys were some ladies, man, too. uh, just having some fun while you're younger in college and you get out and you want to make it your living. Um, how did you flip the switch and where, where did you get the first big break? Uh, first big break was, was having a song called when it rains kind of hit the radio mm-hmm. when it, there was still a time when you could have a song get played by DJs, um, in different parts of the country without being on a major label, without having like a big financial backing and, yeah. and all that stuff. And that led us to the major labels and everything, um, getting on some tours and some mm-hmm. other things, you know, before TikTok and all those things yeah. at our age, we're like struggling to figure out how do we fit into that, that landscape? It's, it's weird how much the landscape has changed the way people, you know, when we were in college, it was like, it was Napster. You were illegally downloading right. everything, you know, but we had all the music, which was awesome. And then, you know, finally it's kind of come around and it's gotten better with streaming services and all that. But, um, you know, those, those first big breaks have, there's a couple like that song, crazy girl, our yeah. first big number one. Without that song, I don't know if we'd be sitting here right now. Right. You know, whether or not another song would have come around to uh, to do that for us, it it really just takes uh, a couple of those mm-hmm. key moments and key songs that come your way that can really you know set up a a long career if you want it to be that way. Um, but yeah, we not to like we are so old at this and that, but um, <laughs> when we were still like single after college it was right before cell phones were taking good pictures before social media. Right, probably a good thing. Yep, definitely a good thing. Um, I can so pick we, up those pictures from when you guys were in Morgantown. Was that we can throw it in here? Was right? that like with a? Would that have been? Like no, it was still. It was just iPhones just coming out when you guys were there. So, yeah, yeah. And, and they seemed like they were taking great pictures. But yeah, in they retrospect, were you can make it out, right? <laughs> um, so that was that was probably near the like the tail end of our our partying days. Yeah, uh, and luckily, like one of the big keys to our like internal and emotional success, um, but you know, relating to mental health, is that we have always been on the same page, not just 
musically mm-hmm. and with four of us there's there's struggles but yeah. um like as far as going through the phases of life together we all kind of decided all right we can't party like this forever it's not sustainable mm-hmm. watching we grew up watching too many uh vh1 behind the music <laughs> you know uh yeah. and we didn't want to follow that path so right. like we need to grow up a little bit a little bit just tiny uh, you gotta keep, gotta keep our edge yeah, yeah but maybe we it's time to settle down mm-hmm. um and so we all kind of started dating more seriously kind of got engaged and married with all within the same couple of years and then yeah. uh now all of us have well, two or three kids each Oh, wow. from like 10 to, to one. Okay. Um, and so it's become, you know, we're really kind of following each other through life. It's, yeah. it's all kind of on a shared path together, which is very, very helpful. When you get that first number one hit, Crazy Girl, which is the song that I think of when I think of the Eli Young band, what was that moment like to just see it start to, to go up the charts and to hear people start singing it? And when you go play shows, people know it. What was it like with that first really, really big song? Oh, it's incredible. Um, it's incredible. And when, by the time I hit number one, it had been going up the charts for like almost a year. And that ended up being the most played song on country radio mm-hmm. in that year about of anything, wow. which is outrageous, but it was a slow build. Um, and so by the time it hit like five, it had already been like a huge climb up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it's kind of politics. Like you can right. got to read the tea leaves and see like what, what, what's ahead of you how long is that going to be at number one? And then everybody's kind of figuring out, doing the math, like, all right, here's right. our spot. And this is the week we go for it. And it's fun to see what a team effort it is and how the different things that it takes to get to number one that you didn't really realize. You're like, yeah. all right, it's a great song. It'll just do its thing. Mm-hmm. No, you're trading favors with other labels. You're like, all right, your artist isn't going to go for two more weeks because you need room for us here, but we'll give you space here for this other artist. And yeah. it's weird. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I don't think, I don't, People that listen to music don't need to care about that stuff. Well, I think it's interesting. It's inter- Some people find it interesting. Yeah. Some people don't like to see behind the curtain. There's a lot that goes on behind the curtain. Right. Um, but it was it was fun for that to be like our moment. That's our moment to be num- to be number one. And mm-hmm. at that point, we had put in you know years and sure. seen so many bands that we knew were better than us that we had lost like battle the bands with back in the day that, yeah. you know, couldn't keep it together and, and they were great, but they broke up mm-hmm. and we made it through there. And that's kind of when we're like, all right, we can play this game. How, how, uh, how was it just staying on the path and being able to, to keep writing songs and keep making music when you aren't having that big level success right away? Cause most people, I mean, TikTok wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. You couldn't put out, a, you know, one of your first five songs and all of a sudden it gets off on TikTok and now it's downloaded all over the world millions of times. You guys really had to grind to make it from the bars to, to the studio. How did you guys stay motivated, not just break up like you talk about other bands doing? I think when you get to a point when you're making a living doing it for mm-hmm. us and enjoying being on stage, like even through the ups and downs, um, big crowds, small crowds, hits, not hits, getting on stage has always kind of been our release. Um, and that kind of fuels the fire yeah uh but it's at times it's been a struggle keeping our our label engaged and them wanting to fight for a song um and for us to like figure out who we still are as musicians like Mm -hmm. all right we had some songs that really worked at radio that were us right um and now we've had a couple that haven't do we need to like think about the direction of our music uh and i think we made some choices that probably in retrospect were not great as far as like 
the way some albums were produced and the sounds like I feel like the songs were there, but maybe we were stretching for something that we that wasn't, wasn't us. Yeah. Um, and quickly found out from feedback and sure uh, from fans and from people around us like now just be yourselves. And I feel like we're in a pretty we're in a really good place with that again. And now it's just trying to figure out it's a daily struggle in 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 this line of work is like making people pay attention. Right. And let's let's bring back the curtain a little bit like you talked about. Um, how crazy is the music industry? I mean, you hear about it so much and I have friends that have been in it and interviewed different artists that are in that industry. And there are things that people at home will never understand, whether it be, you know, the grind of writing, producing, recording, touring. We were talking about the bus earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, what is it like being in that business for 20 plus years at a high level? Uh, it's a roller coaster. Like that's the biggest thing is like trying to deal with the ups and the downs. And at this point with kids, like we are out almost every week through the year, but we're out like three days right. and you go home and your dad to like waking up at, you know, five forty-five every morning, getting the kids up for school, making sure. them lunch and doing that whole thing. And then like hopping on a plane last night, uh, and then flipping that switch, like, all right, now I'm a night owl. I'm a party guy. I got to show yeah. this thing on stage and like gearing up for that. Um, you know, doing like big live TV spots or late mm -hmm. night shows and, um, trying to like not let all that get to you too much. Like not, right. not, not so much ego wise. We've never had those issues, but, yeah. um, let the, like let the stress be too debilitating mm -hmm. or, or not to get too down when a song doesn't hit number one and yeah. doesn't do well, but then to tr take it in stride and try to like enjoy the moment when you do have those big, huge, um, career defining moments. Um, and not just to like, let them pass you by knowing that that could yeah. be, that could be the last time that you play in a stadium. It could right. be the last time that you do like, you know, the tonight show mm -hmm. or, or anything like that. Um, it, it, it does take a toll. Like it really, it makes a lot of musicians like cynical. It, it makes a lot of musicians turn to substance abuse and, right. um, you know, we've, too, we've heard too many people like going to rehab, like, Oh, he just always seemed like he was, a fun party guy or yeah, girl or whatever. And, you know, and, um, but that can quickly shift the other way if you can't handle either the alcohol or just the, the, uh, the mental toll that it takes yeah. dealing with the highs and the lows and the on the road, mm -hmm. off the road personas and trying to, I think for us, we just try to be regular people, yeah, which comes pretty naturally to us. Um, and you see a lot of artists that struggle with, who they are on and off stage mm -hmm. and, and how do you like bridge that gap? What has been, you know, the hardest thing for you or you guys just mentally, you know, getting through over the past 15 plus years, because I think, you know, a lot of people see, like you talked about you guys being happy, having fun on stage and then, uh, you know, being the party guys and you're trying to get out of that phase to be more of, you know, dad mode now. Um, but people don't, you know, they don't know what's going on up here. What has been maybe one of, or a couple of the hardest things you guys have had to go through as a group? Um, I think we all have struggled differently. So like, I can really talk about like what I have mentally struggled with the most. And it's something I've had to work on a lot over the past decade plus since mm -hmm. we've been making like a comfortable living doing this. Right. Um, and I've had a good chance to talk to a lot of athletes and like, there's a lot of, a lot of crossover, a lot of similarities sure. of, you know, they know they're just one injury away or being cut from a team or this contract might look secured yeah. on paper, but, um, how do I deal with knowing that we're just 
one of us saying, screw it, I'm out of here from the band breaking up. Right. And that could be any day. Yeah. And there's been times where there's just, we fight like brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to fight like brothers. Now we fight like an old married couple that just kind of, <laughs> just kind of lets it go. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like all know. right, you yeah. win, whatever. We're just, we're just going to sit here in silence. Yeah. <laughs> in angst against each other, but it's fine. We'll wake up. It's always things like, we'll wake up tomorrow and figure it out. If, yeah. if, um, if, if there's an issue after a show or whatever, things get a little heated. Um, but there was a long time where I just really struggled with, um, am I going to have this next year? And yeah. okay, I've got a degree in psychology. Um, that doesn't really get you a job and I've never had a job. I've never mm-hmm. had to put together a resume. Um, ever? No, Wow. no. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is it. Yeah. I'm that's... technically the CFO of, uh, Eli Young LLC and that's okay. Well, that's, that looks pretty good on a resume. That's well, that's what I fill out when I've got to do like a, an auto loan or something <laughs> like that. Um, and even just talking about it, I'm starting to get anxious because uh, like it was almost debilitating for for years. And I just had to like, you know, take a deep breath. If I'll figure it out, if right. that's if that's what happens, we'll figure it out. I can't let it affect my relationship with these four guys. Mm-hmm. I can't, um, you know, let it affect my relationship at home or any of that stuff. I've just got to yeah. <sighs> we've got to live in the moment. And now it's been 21 years as a band. And, uh, yeah, we could still break up tomorrow. Um, but I don't think we're going to, I think we're in this for better, for worse until, you know, until the wheels fall off and I've got to treat it that way. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's been very helpful. Uh, but I feel like I wasted a lot of time with those, um, anxieties. Sure. Um, but we've, it's like weird how sometimes talking points are the exact opposite of, uh, what it's like behind the scenes. Like one thing you always said, and for the most part is true is that the four of us always feel like there's something really good right around the corner. Yeah. And I feel like we tend to say that most when it's really it's hard not. to feel that way. Yeah. Um, like saying it makes it It's kind of like a, reassuring a mental and, game with yourself or with you guys saying, all right, it's, it's about to happen. Right. If I say it into this camera, yeah. um, then it's probably true. Yeah. Um, but trying to actually feel that way or be comfortable with, it might be a couple corners from now. Mm-hmm. And maybe we've already had all the big peaks and maybe yeah. it's, um, not a slow ride at the bottom, but you know, it's, it's figuring out how to continue a career with mm-hmm. the success, sure. um, where we're at. And maybe that's, maybe just be okay with that. Uh, and I've watched the four of us at different times. It, it kind of take more of a toll. Um, and I really, I'm so glad it can be four of us mm-hmm. for one thing as a bass player, um, you could name on like one hand bass players with a successful solo career. So that was never my path. And, uh, so I'd have to have the people around me to do it, but to be able to bounce off each other, keep us from having, you know, inflated egos or just to talk someone off a ledge and be like, all right, we're, we're good. Right. Um, yeah, that song didn't do what we wanted to do. Um, or the show fell through or COVID we're not going to play a show for another year and a half or whatever. Um, and trying to navigate that on your own mm-hmm. with nothing but managers and agents around you that um, might have your best interest in mind, but don't understand it. Entirely. Yeah. And, and have their own interests as well. You right. know, uh, I, a lot of solo acts, I don't know how they do it. Like we, yeah. we've got each other and that's definitely been an asset mm-hmm. more than, more than it's been anything else. Um, and, and COVID was, was, really tough. I mean, yeah, whole industry shut down, whole industry shut down. And I'd 
probably the worst for like new acts that maybe were having their first song going right. to hit radio and that whole opportunity. And like away. the rapper Jack Harlow, his song "What's Popping" came out right when COVID hit, and he got up to the charts, and he didn't do a show for like a year and a half. Yeah, because it's crazy. It's yeah, it, like in this industry, you can make a ton of money really quick, especially if you're a solo act. Yeah, and you've got a big pop hit, rap hit. It's that's your that's your moment. Yeah. You can seize and. um or if you can't play, which is like everybody's main revenue stream. Right, it's live shows, just, yeah. That's so much missed opportunity and tough to deal with. We Luckily, we've been doing this long enough and are financially, I don't know, we're, we're not stupid with our money. Right. Uh, where we could kind of navigate the storm okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it was tough. It was like, yeah. all right, nice to be home with the kids nice to you know we don't expect to have that kind of time in this line of work to right. be there 24 7 for months on end um but how do you like what what's a hobby now what do i <laughs> what do i do what do i do like yeah. who am i now that do you guys get on a zoom call and start like writing or what uh mike our, our singer got uh, a publishing deal right before covid because okay. uh, we've always just had our own publishing but he's always wanted to take writing more seriously yeah um make it more of a of a focus of his and so it was great because living in texas that was a time when like zoom writing became acceptable no one really yeah. wanted to do it before so he was writing with like great writers from nashville and la and new york That's and awesome. everybody was just willing to do it so that was like nine to five he was doing that mm -hmm. um i took up woodworking there you go i'd still have all my fingers but i, I like <laughs> i bought good. all the saws and started building things it's just like <laughs> i'd always, be scared to shit to do that my wife was so nervous yeah uh, yeah uh um, I didn't drink while I was doing it. I was like, all right, if I'm sober, I'm pretty sure I'm not yeah, going to okay. lose a finger. It could be more fun, a little, little tipsy. But. It was so tempting. Yeah. But there was, a, there was a couple close calls when I heard like a zip and the yep. like, board would go flying across the room. <laughs> and I'd go, all right. Nope, we got them all. We, we're we're good. good. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the psychology major in college because you mentioned that in that last mm -hmm. answer. Why did you pick that? And how do you think that's helped you with your mental health throughout your life? Um. Like undergrad psychology, taking some of those classes, I think would be helpful for, for anybody mm -hmm. just to give you a greater awareness, understanding uh, and appreciation for the way our mind works. Yeah. And, and none of it gets all that deep. Um, there's, you know, a lot of great postgraduate studies you can do mm -hmm. and, and really focus in on something. Um, but, you know, we're like one or two generations away from when most people didn't really believe that was a thing yeah. or necessary. Right. Um, and now, like trying to find a um, a counselor for our our son, and trying to find mental health for children has become so difficult because so many kids need it now. Right. Um, not only is it accepted, but uh, the pandemic has just led to so many issues and things that. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, my path to it was I was a music major, and not a very good one. A lot of eight o'clock classes. We were a bar band and a fraternity. Yeah. And I went to college to get away from home to right. one of the best college, uh, music schools in the country at yeah. University of North Texas. And I got weeded out pretty quickly. Like I was, I can't say if I could hang there talent wise, cause I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't um, mentally put myself in a place where I would put the yeah. work well, in. They try to, to grind you out. Like my brother was a graphic design major at a very tough graphic design school here at the University of Cincinnati. And it's 8 a.m. Monday through Friday, all freshman years. Was it the same at North Texas? Yes. Okay. And like all these one hour classes that you took so much of your time. They were eight o'clock in the morning and, um, yeah, wasn't, that wasn't happening. Yeah. But I, I, uh, I've always had in my head, like get a degree. That's what you do. Um, 
So second year of college, my parents were going through a divorce, and my mom suggested going to see a counselor uh, in the summertime to kind of talk about that because that was a tough thing mm-hmm. for me. Um, really hit me hard, my parents going through a divorce, and, and talking to the counselor was good. That, that also led to talking about school and, and how I was doing and uh, came to this conclusion that I have ADD and really have my whole life just under the surface. Yeah. It's always smart enough to get by, but um, struggled yeah. in school. Uh, and just knowing that was helpful and then getting on medication and then went from on the borderline of like, is college really for you? Like my grandpa came down and had oh, that wow. speech with me. Yeah. Like about the military and like colleges, son, college isn't for everyone, which was like, that scared me. Like, right. all right, we need to figure this out. And maybe he's right. Um, but I went and made Dean's list every semester after that. And awesome. just the awareness of like, this is something I need to know that, okay, focusing is an issue. Mm-hmm. This medication is very helpful. Um, I'm so motivated and psychology because that was my path there. Yeah. Uh, just was very, I was so intrigued. It's like, wow, this is like, changing my life right what 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 more do I need to know about this were were you able to recognize then music your entire life was almost like medication too to be able to help you with anxiety and the OC and everything because you had the school knowledge of psychology now Mm -hmm. I'm sure music has to be your happy place the thing that you love the most and it helps your mental health the most for sure I think uh with ADD there's something like that some people can, it's not like a superpower, but sometimes they describe those things that are part of whatever disability or whatever you want to call it that will be described as like, this is like your superpower, but being able to like really hyper-focus into something. And I could just lose myself in music, playing it, listening to it, just really ingraining myself in it in a way that I can't in hardly anything else. Um, and so maybe that's because that's, that's why I was drawn towards music, but I also started playing music when I was three. Right. It was just part of the family thing. Oh, wow. play instruments and, yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know where we were going with that, but, uh, uh mental health and music, how that's kind of music's kind of been your medicine, I guess. Yeah. Going, yeah. Yeah. And then like with, when COVID hit, um, like what else can I do to, right. to, to find that passion somewhere else? And, uh, it's weird when like the thing you love and is your, hobby right the thing that kind of grounds you becomes the thing that you do and becomes so much more than that Mm -hmm. and not all positive things like we're gonna play the same songs every night and so the creative outlet's kind of gone from there right um but i'm kind of okay with it yeah and i get it to a certain extent you know i gotta live my dream job being a sports reporter going to the super bowl going to you know the biggest games in baseball basketball but you know you're on the road you're working Mm -hmm. late nights people Mm -hmm. just see you know, you're at the game, you're on the sideline next to Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's also, you're working 12 hour days. You're, you're not eating, you're not sleeping. It, it takes a toll on everything. Let's flip to a more positive side of when you're getting ready for a gig, like tonight in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. when you go to walk on the stage, do you still get those same butterflies, excitement, that juice? Like, what is that moment like for you? Yeah, I still get that the anxiety, still get that little bit of adrenaline yeah, rush. Yeah. That is, that's a, it's a healthy, you know, little endorphin release. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that's always there. Right. I, I, none of us in the band are like, we were like I was, I was saying, I think it was off camera that we, none of us were like the I need to be on stage yeah. guys. Right. And honestly, I, I feel like we've had to over overcome a lot of anxieties to be those guys to get on stage every night. Sure. Um, and to learn to do it without 
drinking too much and, <laughs> you know, like maybe we'll have a drink before we get on stage yeah. just to kind of, you know, this is our social hour right on the bus. We'll have a drink, talk about the set, whatever, uh, BS. And, um, but it's not like I need to do this to get yeah. on stage without shaking and, and to be in front of people. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely been in times. And, and that's when, when you go from a bar band, when it's like, we're all taking shots together to like, we're on tour with Kenny Chesney. We're playing stadiums every, every, you right. know, every night, little different. little different. And, um, it, are we just a bar band? Is that like, is that our zone or can we like rise to this challenge, mm-hmm. uh, and be like professionals Yeah, and, um, you know, to, to do it in a way that, uh, I don't know, we get off stage with that really good feeling. And then what do you do when you get off stage? Like, mm-hmm. how do you come down from that? Um, I can only imagine what it's like to, you know, be like, quarterback in the NFL <laughs> right. so much is on your shoulders and then that's great you've got a great game you've got a terrible game but either way um, such a rush yeah what are the what are the couple hours like after that you know especially after a loss I mean it'd be like you know comparison to you guys you know playing a show where they didn't sell tickets like you thought they would and you show up and I'm sure that's a challenge um fun questions though let's do yeah. favorite uh concert or venue you've ever played favorite concert um are you going to ask like favorite act to play with? Is that another one? Cause I, you can do both. I was going to kind of yeah, yeah. combine the two. Uh, early on in our career, we did a string of shows with the Dave Matthews band. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, and like, I didn't grow up listening to country as my main mm-hmm. source of music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Dave Matthews band was like always at the top for me. And they, for a long time, were picking acts outside of their own type of music, but like regionally who's doing well, who's an okay. up and coming act. And so this is when, before we were really on the national stage in yeah. a big way, um, and so we played like Oklahoma city, Dallas and Houston. Okay. And just that string of three shows was so cool. Getting old, get on stage. Uh, Dave was such a cool guy. He brought us on every night, went up to the microphone. was like, these are my very good friends, the Eli young band. And then he watched our whole set every night side stage. That's so cool. Front to start. Like, come on. How many headliners do that? Not many. None. Yeah. You'll have, if you're on a long tour, you'll have a headliner that'll come out and watch part of your show a few times, kind of get, see what you're all about. I've never had another headliner watch the whole set wow. and to do it three nights in a row. And it was like steak and lobster for dinner. And Dave would go out on his bicycle with a hat on and like <laughs> give front row tickets to people that he saw like recycling or throwing trash away. And he would do that until people realized it was him. And then the gig was up and he'd hightail it backstage. Oh my like, gosh. Is this person for is real? real? Yeah. There's, there's a, you know, old saying of like, me, you may not want to meet your heroes. Yeah. Uh, now that's, he's, he's worthy of that. Dave's a real deal. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what have been some of, just to follow up on that, what have been some of the coolest people you've been able to meet with this, with this gig? Because you get to do things, whether it be, you know, playing at, at NFL stadiums or going on tour with Kenny Chesney, Dave Matthews, but you get to meet, I'm sure people that. I dream of meeting people watching dream of meeting who are some of the people that stand out that you've got to kind of rub elbows with. Um, so this year we did uh, a couple of us did the, the golf tournament for Michael Phelps for his foundation, Oh, cool! Uh, which is a awesome foundation, which yeah. you know, deals with swimming uh, at a young age and water safety, but also with mental health awareness. Right. Uh, and he's doing some great work mm-hmm. and you can tell he's very passionate about it and just getting to meet him and everybody who was there um, involved with the foundation. And it's weird when you like do a celebrity tournament and yeah. you, that's that's one of those times where I really feel like I've got imposter syndrome, but so it goes. Yeah. You know, it's for a good cause, and someone 
paid to play golf with me and I'm terrible at golf. Yeah, me too. I'll, yeah. As long as you look the part, that helps a little I bit. I dressed the part. There you go. I did. It's like skiing. Exactly. <laughs> as long as you exactly. look good, that's half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> Very expensive. And yeah. lo looking the part is what it's all about. Um, so uh, yeah, Michael Phelps was awesome. Um, yeah, tour with Kenny Chesney was, was, so just, cool. was yeah. just great. He was uh, played basketball with him every day. Oh, wow. Like, okay. Down to earth guy. Well, is he good at basketball? Are you good at basketball? I'm decent at basketball. Okay. I grew up playing uh, some basketball. Played on like an eight foot hoop. Kenny is the, is the height of probably an average lead singer. They're typically yeah. um, shorter like, like than my height. About. Yeah. Yeah, about. <laughs> uh, but I think that's kind of the thing is they, they play an eight foot hoop. So that took a lot of getting used to. But once he yeah. does, like, oh, I can dunk on this. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, we uh, toured with, you know, Dirk Spentley. Um, Darius Rucker was another great guy. Yeah. Coming from Hooting the Blowfish, so down to earth. Mm -hmm. But also, like, being with a band for so long that yeah. was, like, the biggest band in the world for right. a while. Uh, that he really got the dynamic of who we were. Yeah. And that made just for such a fun year. So he did something super cool in Cincinnati. It's a, it's a huge high school football community. And so some of these high school football stadiums hold 10, 15,000. And so he played a show with, you know, Kyle Rudolph. He was a tight end in the NFL. They partnered at his high school, Elder, on the west side of Cincinnati. And he played a show at the high school football stadium, the pit, for like 20,000 people. Oh, wow. Which is just speaks to his character. And obviously, it was a charity event, too. Super cool. Um, Last couple things, mm -hmm. uh, mental health show, but I want to get into kind of the, maybe some fun things happen on the road. What's one of maybe the best experiences you've had on the road, coolest place you've been, maybe biggest, I don't know if biggest party is the right way because you're in a different phase of life. We don't want to talk about that with <laughs> kids watching. Uh, it was one of, the, uh, one of the strangest little tours we did. We did a USO tour. Um, it was just a couple shows. We've been overseas a handful of times playing for the troops, which is always awesome. Super cool, yeah. Like you get a really uh, profound sense of like patriotism and right. um, makes you see like what we're doing in, in such a different different way. Yeah. Um, but we did a show down in the Bahamas at a Andros, I want to say Andros um, Marine Base. It's like one of the smallest little installations okay. we have. Just middle of nowhere in the Bahamas. Yeah. Um, and it was so cool. I had to take like, this little plane there and just played an acoustic set in like their commissary. Oh, sweet. And it's, it's like a beach tiki bar with this little bass. Everybody's so cool. Like no yeah. one's wearing shoes. Um, that was amazing. And we went from there to go play in the northernmost post we have um, in the Thule mm -hmm. uh, base up in Greenland. Yeah. And I think because of bad weather, we plane got diverted uh, onto Greenland. And so we had to spend the night and a day on this like random, used to be uh, an Air Force installation of some kind. Yeah. But like saw the Northern Lights. Oh, wow. Um, ate um, musk ox. Oh, big, ugly animal. Yeah. Tastes good? pretty good. Kind of stringy. Yeah. Okay. Kind of weird. Yeah. It was kind of like a <laughs> stew and a gravy. Yeah. Uh, but like walking around, it was like all these really old giant antennas from like the Cold War, Cold War yeah, yeah. era. It was just like the most surreal landscape up there. That's crazy. Um, and that, and we finally made it to the base. We're like in like, I don't know, a C-130 or whatever. It was a military, um, it was full of cargo of some kind. They had some mm -hmm. seats. Uh, and we weren't the reason for the plane. We right. were just there. And because of the timing, like we landed, shook some hands, got back on the plane and took off. No show, no nothing. Oh, wow. So on that side, it was like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing here? Uh, but it was still cool that we made it. But having that like strange experience in the most random, desolate part yeah. uh, of the world. It's like, 
music no. music brought me here. No, I'm like, not the answer I was thinking I was going to get. Yeah, no, it's it's. it's like going to tell me about some crazy party with Snoop Dogg out in L.A. or something like that. Right? No, it, it, <laughs> um, maybe that that's the nerd in me. It's like that stuff, the the really like big rock star stuff. Um, I kind of shake my head at because I don't, I don't want to get too uh, too into that. Sometimes yeah. it's fun, but those moments pass. It's like sometimes you find yourself somewhere like playing Red Rocks or. We're playing yeah. a stadium for the first time. Like, right. there's sixty thousand people here. Like, holy shit, that's this is amazing. Real. Yeah. Like, okay. Yep, this is why I signed up for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you can just like feel your just heartbeat just out of your chest. That that's a feeling that uh, I wish you could capture and sell. Yeah. And maybe there is a drug that is probably really bad for you. Probably. <laughs> um, but then that's that's you know back to mental health. Like, how you, that's a feeling you can't sustain. Uh, yeah, you can't be on that high. Yeah. Like, how do you take that in stride and like. Once you have it, how do you get by without needing it? Yeah. Um, and trying to enjoy it when it's there. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask you, um, what would be your advice to, to kids that are high school, college, playing bar gigs, um, writing music, playing with, with, with friends? What is your biggest advice for people that want to follow the path that you guys did and make it in a business that is, if not the hardest, one of the hardest to make it in? That's when we, I feel like we're dinosaurs. We did it like that old school way where we were a bar band hit the ground meeting fans one at a time right uh getting like a college circuit around texas and regionally where we could go play and make some money and slowly organically build it mm -hmm. i would say um where i feel like that gave us a really strong foundation sure uh and let us learn our chops and if we would have hit success on day one i don't think we would have been ready for it yeah. and i think it would have been the end of us but maybe because we did it slow that was right for us um uh, but i'm not going to say that getting that quick success isn't a good thing. Like there are so many great avenues to get your music out there now. Right. It's totally changed. It's totally changed. So you don't want advice from this old man, <laughs> you know, like I, I love the way we did it. And, uh, but we, we were kind of doing it the old fashioned way when we yeah. did it, but yeah. it was so much fun, but have fun. I mean, right. shit. If you're not having fun, what are you doing out there? Right. This is a terrible job. If you don't like it, if you don't like the touring, if you mm -hmm. don't like being on the road, I've watched so many people that have come out and played with us or whatever. And they, yeah. If, they, if you don't like this side of it, it'll make you hate music. Right. Like, if you start not liking music, go into IT, whatever. Yep. Start something else. Um, and, you know, surround yourself with good people mm -hmm. that want to take your career farther that, that you can trust. Um, that's it. Awesome. John, I appreciate it. Brandon. It's been fun. Good, good advice there to end on. And we'll be back next week right here on The Mental Game. And a big thanks to John for opening up with me in that conversation. We actually shot that episode back at the end of the summer here in Cincinnati before a show for the Eli Young Band. They invited me to it. It was so cool to watch them perform backstage. So thanks to John and all of the guys for that amazing experience and that conversation you just heard. Coming up next week, another amazing conversation, this time with Reds outfielder Jake Fraley. We talk about his baseball career, his own mental health struggles, and how he almost quit playing baseball this past season. All of that and much more in the next episode of The Mental Game. We'll see you right back here next week.